0: Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäbe sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir
1: entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gag Impressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me,
2: as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Bryce. Uh, I actually want to do something special this week, and I want to give a big shout out, A, to all the Canadians around me, and B, to the German hockey team that kicked out the Canadians on, on last week, on the, reached the final of the Olympics. And there was a travel warning issued by the German government for Canada, and I have to say, as a German living in Canada, I was treated very well. I watched the final with a whole bunch of Canadians. They were all cheering for Germany. So, hey, well done, Canada. Well done for uh, losing the match, being a good sport about it, and supporting us against the Olympic athletes against of Russia. So I had a great weekend, Bryce, watching that in a bar. Had a few too many afterwards, you know, win or lose, hit the boost. But, yeah, great weekend. How about you? How's your weekend been? I, I heard you went to my old home.
1: Yeah, very true. Well, it sounds like you had a... Fantastic time. Glad to hear that everyone got behind us and so we're, was in a good spirit. But we were very much in a good spirit as well because we were in Munich uh, for a stag day, which was uh, which was great. But um, a lot of people said, well, what was Munich like? Don't really know, to be honest. Aww. Too many bear, too many beers, and I didn't get a chance to really go to all the places I would have liked to Aww. have seen. But I must say that the people were kind. We, we went to a, a game which was, or well, we went to watch the games on, on Saturday and all oh, the atmosphere in the bars was unbelievable it was fantastic, there was all sorts of fans there but uh, and to my surprise quite a few Stuttgart fans I don't, I don't know where they come out of all of a sudden or whether they were just all having a day trip to Munich but they, they were all delightful, it, it was good fun but yeah, my um, my brain's probably a little bit slower than it normally is which is what, what probably
2: you, rather what slow
1: What do you think of the new coach, Bryce? Think, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't ask them about that because i can't even say his name especially after a few drinks i, I was afraid that they would just take offense of what i would say so um you know the less i speak of uh typhoon uh probably the better typhoon, typhoon I and Ty- i don't know has he got any friends that's who you're referring to let's move on let's speak to somebody that i can pronounce his name and that's chris williams he joins us as well chris how was your weekend
0: um, surprisingly, it was awful because I happened to watch one of the most awful match days of football I've ever seen yeah. in a Bundesliga. 14 goals, um, poor on quality, poor on entertainment, poor on support for very valid reasons. Um, as we'll get to discuss, it was a weekend end to forget.
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah. Was, it was difficult, I must say, uh, being away with a load of lads. Uh, and somebody got a oh, brush about this mistake I mean hyping it up so much, and do we have plenty of ages for a goal mm. on you know, on Saturday? I don't know what happened. I mean, may I just say the gladback goal um was something special when it, it did go in, or am I getting the games even next i don't even I've had too many beers this weekend uh but um yeah, clearly not enough uh goals at all or or much action at all. I suppose even even tonight. And let, let's let's start the podcast off by talking about the uh, Monday night game. We we mentioned last week about how it is rather controversial, isn't it? We've seen tennis balls flying onto the pitch last week, uh, which delayed the game somewhat. And um, yeah, a rather different protest than what you would expect to see. But uh, the yellow wall is always um, always busy, always full, and always very loud in Dortmund, and that just. Didn't happen at all today, but as we've seen the the stands miss was it thirty two thousand people Manu
2: yeah no it's um slightly less than that uh, i think fifty four thousand three hundred were in the stadium, and uh, I think the official capacity is eighty three thousand so it was slightly less than thirty thousand were missing which is a significant number i mean you you look at that number fifty four thousand three hundred you would say that's pretty decent right, but we're used to full stadium. Um the Westfalen Stadion is maybe the standout stadium in German football, right? It's the one that you always see on commercials when they when they present the Bundesliga and it's, that that definitely was um the fans definitely showed how they felt about Monday night.
1: Yeah, very much so. Chris, you've been um, over to Dortmund to see games on many occasions and this um, this really can affect uh, performance, can't it? And maybe it's not a bad way if, if the fans really do feel uh, strongly about these uh, Monday night games. Maybe this isn't a bad way to kind of demonstrate that and,
0: and, and get it across. I think this demonstration is more... Substantial than the one we saw last weekend. Now, where the kickoff was delayed by ten minutes, the Frankfurt fans um, put a very good demonstration up. But then they went back to their stands uh, their seated areas and their standing areas, and and then provided a fantastic atmosphere. That you know we saw a cracking game of football in. Um. So, what actual impact did it have in the big scheme of things? Very little, I would say. Whereas this one, you know, you've got it's not far off a half-empty stadium. It's an iconic stadium, as Manu's already said, and it had all the feel, and anybody that's watched it and anybody that watches it back either online or various apps, et cetera, it had the feeling of a training game. And it does, it happens. We've seen it throughout when teams play behind closed doors or other sorts of demonstrations when fans leave to make a statement. It does affect because the players are used to playing in, you know, cauldrons of atmospheres, and all of a sudden they're playing in, you know, a vastly reduced capacity... Um, and don't forget the the biggest reduced area was the yellow wall, you know, the sub tribuna, which um, that generates the main atmosphere inside the ground. So people had a go, um, you know, good good place for having a go, although should they have turned up, that's a different question altogether. Um, but for me, this demonstration was a lot uh, more successful. Uh, it's embarrassing, I think, for the DFL to have one of their um, standout stadiums, you know, not far off, half empty, for a game that was shown all around the world, um, not just in Europe, but it was shown in America. It was shown um, on the Arabic continent, you know, North Africa, and uh, the Middle East. Um, it's even shown in South Africa, North America, as in Canada, as well as as um, as well as the USA. It's shown all around the world. This, this could be the protest that really gets to the heart of the matter, I think. It, it's all right with your tennis balls and, you know, your banners, but... If people are still going, people are still going. This is a really big statement tonight for me.
2: Yeah, and it, it looked like you're friendly rather than an actual football game, right? And it, a league that advertises itself so much to be fan-friendly, cheap tickets, good fun, and then people turn it on and they expect to see all that and they see 54,000 um, in a game that more or less resembles a friendly match. That's going to do more damage than good, um, financially in the long term. Anyways, right? I'm not sure. Chris, was there a Monday night game in the Premier League today?
0: I don't think there was. I'm not sure. There may have been. I was um, fully committed to um, watching the um, the Dortmund game, but it's completely different in England. Mm. It's it's almost accepted these days, and and even though you know fans aren't happy about it. Um, for instance, and it was over the weekend, but Newcastle travelled down to the south coast to play, I think it was Bournemouth, and that's like a 700-mile round trip, which is a lot for the for England. Um, obviously, Germany's a bigger country, one and a half times bigger, so you can understand why particularly on a Monday night, you, you know, people from Augsburg don't want to travel up to Dortmund, or you know, Hanover don't want to travel all the way down to Freiburg on a Monday night. It's part of the working week. It's I can understand sort of why you know they wanted to put the Monday night games on because they're saying it's for the benefit of the Europa League teams. But you know as we'll get on to, I don't think it's benefited um, Leipzig at all. And on tonight's show, I, mean, I don't really think it's benefited Dortmund.
2: Yeah, I don't think that that short time makes a difference. I mean, that's the big argument, right? It gives teams more of a rest. Um, we'll get to Leipzig in a moment, but for Leipzig, I would actually say it was the opposite because then they had fewer days to recover before the match, right? Against Napoli before the return. Like this is a bit different because there is no Europa League until next week. and um, so that's, it's a like, maybe a little bit different. Maybe it actually does help them, but, um, Dortmund, I can't see it. I just can't see that argument actually being beneficial. Um, that they're saying, well, this is, this is going, this is supposed to help teams to, recover from the European hangover, right? Um, I'm not sure that these extra twenty four hours and then the the fact that you go into a stadium like that and it's just such a deflating atmosphere. And these players, especially when you're used to playing in Dortmund, you they almost live off that atmosphere. And you you saw it in this game. I I thought they started really well and they played really well and then they usually get carried into um the into the second half, right? But the legs were just gone and there was just no emotion and no no fighting spirit in this team in the second half. And Dortmund seemed just very deflated for me um, the, the second 45 minutes.
1: Um, Manu, just before we move away from the, the talk of uh, Monday night games, do, I mean, we see these protests and yeah, they send out a very strong message, but do do you think we actually are going to see anything done about it?
2: Yeah, I do think so. I really do, Bryce. I think this is this had an impact. Um Hans Joachim Watzke has said that they would rather lose money um than keep going with the Monday night games. Unfortunately I think the the it's now in the contract, in the television contract until twenty twenty one. So um until then I think it's very difficult to change it. But it clearly there is a signal there that the clubs have understood. Um that the, the different teams that are part of the shareholders of the DFL. Remember, the, the, league is the different clubs in the league are shareholders that make decisions together on the future and how the league is supposed to operate. And I, I believe this has made an impact. And I mean, this is, this isn't a time where we talk about 50 plus one, where we talk about commercialization, where we talk about how German football should be moving forward, how German football should, um, Stay competitive in a world where the leagues left, right and center are becoming more and more commercialized and owned by individuals rather than by the fans. And I think that this is, this all plays into this greater picture of it, right? And I think it's very significant that the fans voice has been heard on this and that the fans power on this ha- seems to be enough to at least get the officials thinking about. It. And I think there's enough there's enough club owners now out there, or not club owners, but people running the clubs, understanding that this is maybe not the right way forward. And I could really see the Monday night game scratched. Um, And I mean, Chris, this is, this is something that we talked about. The fan power is so different in Germany than it is in maybe any other European league.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think on this particular one, we, you know, we'll see it. Maybe removed. And there wasn't a great deal of happiness originally about the Friday night game, but that's, that's at least the start of the weekend um Monday's the start of the working week and I can understand the frustration behind it I certainly wouldn't want to be traveling on a on a Monday to a Monday night fixture um, you know if if I've been in work all day um, so yeah i I'm in agreement that I think this will be one of the nails in the coffin now whether they can renegotiate that television contract mid term waits to be seen but I would be surprised if we see it again um, after the end of this season and I'd be shocked really if I saw it again and I think it would it would lead to a lot more demonstrations which may not be as um, as amicable because although the one in Frankfurt last week disrupted the match, it was a very peaceful protest, you have the tennis balls being thrown on at half time but that in itself is, you know, is a peaceful protest there's no actual violence and then today's was a, a protest of a boycott so i can see the protest being ramped up if they don't get what they want and german football supporters are very passionate that's what makes the league um so attractive to people from all around the world who want to go and watch it so that passion that is seen on the terrace that can that can also be um, channeled into different avenues should they not get what they want. And don't forget the fans own the clubs in Germany with the 50 plus one the memberships. Um, so they have a right to be heard and, and their voice should be listened to.
2: There's actually an interesting one, Bryce. Um, so Kicker had a poll. We love polls. Polls are always great. And they had a poll on uh, the different kickoff times um, last week and they published it and 85.6% of people in watching the Bundesliga and reading Kicker um, said that they am extremely unhappy with the Monday night kickoff time. Um, so that's 85.6%. Uh, Friday did actually I mean from the mixed mixed poll on Friday, um thirty four point nine percent said it's good. Um but also you know thirteen percent said they're very, very unhappy about it. Um, the Saturday game, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the 3:30 kickoff or the 2:30 kickoff in the UK, uh UK time. Um, 81.6% said that that's the perfect kickoff time. So you know there is, it is, it is interesting how how people see it. Uh, Sunday the the 1:30 kickoff on Sunday did very poorly. Um, the Sunday kickoffs didn't do that well either. It it really seems that the, the general consensus is saturday 330 that's when football is supposed to happen
1: wow yeah that's rather definitive um talk really isn't it you've had the poll uh, rather interesting as well i mean i suppose chris and i you, we were used to maybe english football and that's what we've kind of grown up with being in the uk and, you know you you've seen football being played at all sorts of different times and days so it's good that they're they're voicing their opinions, you and they wanted to 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 stick to this way. But um, we we talk about the Monday night game, obviously um, being in place for these uh, Europa League games being on a Thursday night. And uh, let's let's focus a, a little bit on Dortmund's uh, game against Atlanta briefly. So, Chris, uh, we've talked in the past about how you know under Stuger they've um, been getting results. Uh, and they got a result you know, they got through the tie um after after being behind and then finishing 1-1 uh, but a, a rather uninspiring performance once again
0: you know I, I don't know how much that is it's 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 a two-legged european game if you go away and you don't play particularly well but you get a result i think that's that's a great result um 1-1 away in uh, atalanta or a, or you know where atalanta are playing at the moment um they left it late and you could say you know it was by the skin of their teeth but this particular fixture or this particular tie I think it hinged more on the home performance the home performance from um, Dortmund was poor to go to Italy and to get a a, you know a positive 1-1 result uh, I thought was you know at the end of the day exactly what they needed and you can argue that the football wasn't the best but when they needed to get a result they got one now whether that's something that's happening consistently at the moment where, you know, they are getting results, but the football isn't the best. I think we could probably disregard tonight because of the factors, you know, off the pitch, the outside factors um, that affected the game. But on the whole Dortmund have have been, can we say boring? They're slightly boring, but they're getting the results. So you have to ask yourself at this particular moment in time, what do you want to play? Do you want to play fast, expansive, exciting football that you you occasionally pick up points and you occasionally drop points? Um, like under Bosch or do you want to play and, and also um, Tuchel as well for that matter or do you want to play a slightly more boring style of football but you're going to pick up you know wins and draws and you're not going to drop that many points as in lose. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. What was Peter Stoker brought in for? He's brought in to steady the ship. Has he done that? Yes. Is it exciting? No, not if you compare it to Thomas Tuchel. Um, but at the moment, you know, their second... Albeit if they'd hung on, they would have opened a nice gap maybe to cement that second place with a three-point um, cushion behind them. But at the minute, they are where they can't be any higher than they are, Bryce. They, you, they fell off the boil uh, by overturn that massive point gap, 14-point gap at one at one time um, earlier on in the season, and they fell completely off the rails. And and Stoker's come in and turned that around, and they're the highest they can possibly be in the league. And whilst I don't find it that exciting... Uh, I don't think you can really complain about it that much. Um, if they were 6th or 7th or 8th, um, then there'd be a lot to complain about. But when you're sitting 2nd in the league you know, or top of the other runs because Bayern ran run away with it, then Peter Stoker's getting the results that he needs to get. Whether he's there next season, I'm, I'm not particularly sure or sold on that yet. But at this moment in time, the result out in Italy uh, was a good one.
1: Yeah, I suppose the results don't lie, do they? When we, especially when we look back in years to come, you know. So, um, yeah, interesting uh, enough. And I I think Stoker's getting a bit of a a hard time, if I'm being honest. But, um, let's talk about uh, the draw for the next round then. Uh, Manu, we've seen, um, well, we've seen uh, Dortmund are going to come up against RB Leipzig in the league next, but uh, they're going to have to take on uh, Red Bull Salzburg in the Europa League. How do you? think they'll get on uh, against them you would imagine that you know, Dortmund should be too good for them over the two legs wouldn't you
2: it's FC Salzburg in Europa isn't it
0: okay. yeah Bryce that's very naughty you're getting away for one like you you're not getting Oh dear.
2: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> well gee I'm, I'm not getting invited
1: to any other games are they to are be so well. fair I'll to be fair there,
2: the google schedule says Red Bull they don't even say Salzburg they just say Red Bull it's even more blunt than it is with RB Leipzig um I guess bull weeks for dortmund uh if you take it that way um that can be seen as a positive if you're into stocks and i mean Dortmund is a team traded on the stock market um so it's a bull market maybe uh you can play on that but I think you know r b salzburg um they're a very good side in Austria and a very well organized side they're obviously in the if you mean anyone knows that that that's how it is they're part of the red bull um fabric uh, you know they're part of that um chain of teams that um, uh, which and RB Leipzig and RB Leipzig have signed many 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 players from um, salzburg and salzburg have and a fantastic academy i think they won the uefa youth league last year um so you know they are very good at producing players they uh, are a side that is very well organized, that dominates Austrian football, and I think that Dortmund have to play very well, actually, to beat them, because they know how to play football there, and um I think over the two legs, Dortmund will take this game. Um I think there is something to watch, though, when it comes off the pitch, with the fact that you know, two times against RB teams. Uh, Chris, um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Dortmund Ultras that are not going to be quite so happy about that.
0: Oh, yeah, well, um, protest take two. Uh, they won't be traveling to um, Salzburg, will they? They've already said uh, a few of them, including the Unity and a couple of the others that said they won't be going. Now, you will get um, normal run-of-the-mill fellas' daughters, sons, wives, children going, but the main hardcore um, support that follows Dortmund will be absent from the ground in Salzburg
2: yeah there you go that's I mean that's an interesting byline and I'm curious to see how it's going to be in the return leg um how how are they going to do how the Dortmund fans are going to react to that I mean the, it does help that it is FC Salzburg in Europe I guess there is no I think they have a different logo too don't they Chris they don't have the uh... Uh, yeah
0: they, they had to so As part of the um, UEFA paperwork to say that RB Leipzig and Red Bull Salzburg are not the same team. Salzburg had to drop one of the bulls on their shirt. So it's like, we're a different side because they've got two Red Bulls and we've only got one.
2: Oh, there's the 50 plus one Klaxon and uh, I know a few people that will be going off on Twitter on that. I think we all know what we're talking about and it's it's going to be interesting to follow it all. (laughs)
0: They are a completely different side. they just wear the same colors home and away they've got the same sponsor and you know they've got the same logo pretty much, but they're a completely different company honest
1: so so would that mean if they won the double say they won a euro you know, a domestic and a European title it actually wouldn't go down in the books as as an official double.
0: No one... uh, yeah it would it's just they can't be called um, Red Bull. Salzburg in Europe because uh, UEFA don't like any sort of um, branding outside their agencies, which is why when it's Champions League night, it's the um, Munich Stadion. It's not the Allianz Mm. Arena. It's, you know, the BVB Stadion. It's not Signal Iduna Park. Um, It can even come to England. It's Leicester City Stadium, not the King Power Stadium um, because of the sponsorship regulations with UEFA. So they would still be classed as, you know, red bull salzburg would still say we're european champions but uh, it would show on the uefa website as fc salzburg
2: yeah and in austria Prize they often carry the name of the sponsor in the team name it's very very common and um uefa has always dealt with teams doing that by so when they're playing the austrian bundesliga um the example is austria vienna they had a sponsor name for it was uh Magna so they were called Austria Magna Vienna in the Austrian Bundesliga I and mean, when they played in Europe it was just Austria Vienna right because UEFA doesn't like teams carrying the name of the sponsor in the team and Austria is one of um they like well they like to do things differently in Austria I guess and the teams are allowed to be named after um company teams uh, company names Um so companies are allowed to sponsor team and then the company name will actually pipe out of the team name when they play in the domestic league. And then, you know, that's how UEFA has dealt with Red Bull. Um, they just see that as the sponsor. Sponsor who bought the naming rights for the Bundesliga action. And then during the Europa European um, action they're not allowed to use that naming right. Uh, the reason why R B has it, of course, R B that stands for something different, doesn't stand for Red Bull, right? So actually that's a pretty clever move by the decisions makers in Leipzig, that they said, well, it stands for Arsenal so the RB actually survives uh, the UEFA sensors.
1: Yeah, well, aren't you guys full of knowledge? There we go. I learn something every day, don't I? Anyway, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, RB Leipzig. Thankfully, got that one right, eh? Uh, we'll talk about their, uh, their ventures in Europe as well. Things happen well, they've got managed to get through, but things haven't been going so well in and around that. I mean, they've now lost three games on the bounce. So let's talk about um, their action um, midweek last week against Napoli. They managed to lose 2-0 and, well, looked
0: somewhat deflated, Chris. Yeah, they looked tired. It's as if they'd played Monday, Thursday. Um, yeah, it's a flippant response, but they looked really, really tired. Now, that's why I really don't think the... There's a lot of realies in there. That's why I don't think the Monday night fixture helped them somewhat. But we're back to the same old conversation that we've been having for the last few weeks and back to the same old conversation, if you go back to the old um, podcast that we did in the autumn, is that Leipzig cannot handle the rhythm of European football. Now, I did the match report um, for their game on the on this on this match day just gone and if they want to be classed and they do want to be classed we all know they want to be one of the bundesliga elite they've got eyes on the champions league at some point if they want to be able to sit and dine at that top table with the likes of bayern munich and barcelona and chelsea and liverpool and city and you know real madrid they can't they can't be like this they've got to get past this um inability to play weekend midweek football because it's critical if you want to be a a big European team you have to get used to that now this is where I think their recruitment and retention problems come to the fore because you all know or we all know um, and everyone that's listening will know that RB Leipzig like to recruit younger players and develop them that's part of their you know DNA that, that they've had from a short time at some point they're going to have to change that if they want to compete at the very, very top. Otherwise, they're just going to be another, and I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but they're just going to be another Fenerbahce or they're just going to be another Feyenoord where they will be very good in a domestic league but pretty dreadful in Europe.
2: Squad depth, right, Chris? That's something that we've mentioned so many
0: times. Uh, yeah, and they they have been, and you, I know you're going to mention it, but I shouldn't be quickly, they they have had a lot of injuries this yeah. season, but that comes from the inability of the squad and the training to deal with this rhythm of European football, I think.
2: Well, remember we chatted when you wrote the, um, the preview for the Napoli game, right? And um, we chatted about the possible lineup and then we both looked at that squad list and we said, oh, this is a thin squad. It's just it, there weren't a lot of players on that squad list, Um and that's something that that really comes to mind. It's interesting that we bring that up because there's no talk about, of course, whether Ralph Hasenhüttl is going to renew his contract in Leipzig, and um, there's good chances that he will. But and this is a big but, he wants to know how the club A is going to invest the money that they earn from Navy Cater. And B, if the club is going to be able to retain Timo Werner, Forsberg, Paulsen, you know, all those key players. And of course, the ambitions of the side. Um, he wants to, he's, he said, and he's really honest about this. He doesn't think he's ready for Bayern yet. So I don't think he's going to take the Bayern drop in the summer, but I think he's also quite honest to the likes of Ralf Hasenhüttl that he's saying, look, I am very happy here. I love working with the squad, but I want to win titles, and I want to win them. And if he can't do it here, I'll do it elsewhere. So um if Leipzig do not show him, so if the decisions makers in Austria, Fuchel am See, do not offer him the sort of budget that he can bring in the players that Leipzig need to make that next step, that very important next step, and retain players as well, he will be gone in the summer. And I say that because um Leipzig have now decided that if Halsenhüttel does not renew his contract by the summer, they're going to go at different paths. Um, so this is definitely something very interesting to look out for.
1: Wow. And, and Manu, just, just still on that subject, if they lost, um, Hasselhüttel, would you think this would be a backward step for RB Leipzig?
2: No, I think he's, a, he's a very good, he's, a, he's one of the main reasons why they play the way they do. Uh, of course, Ralf Rang, Rangnick, um, with his philosophy, he didn't, he, targeted ha- Hasenhutl because of the way he plays so um, I think it's very difficult it would be very difficult to bring in a coach that can play the philosophy or the sort of football that Leipzig want to play so I mean cemeteries are full of people that cannot be replaced Bryce but sometimes it's more difficult than other times right and sometimes it takes longer than other times so I'm I think that on this occasion we're going to see a busy transfer window for Leipzig next summer because um the the way that Rangnick has been communicating is that they want to renew the contract with hasenhuttel any price and that price will also include investment.
1: Wow, yeah. Well, I, I think it would be a real shame for them. I hope they're able to uh, come to some sort of agreement. And yeah, I, I mean... Chris, um, I I think you're also right in saying that it seems like uh, RB Leipzig uh, can't handle uh, this European tie, uh, followed by a league tie. They've lost three games in a row now, Uh, one against Eintracht Frankfurt, um, then Napoli, and then... Cologne as well. So, but we'll we'll touch on Cologne um shortly. Let let's talk a little bit more about uh, their next draw in Zenit Saint Petersburg. Obviously, someone that Manu will know plenty about. But um, do you, you Chris, uh, see this as being the end of the line for RB Leipzig? As this is um a rather tricky tie for them.
0: Well, it is, it is very tricky as um as um Celtic found out. So. It's um it's a it's a hard place to go. Um Zenit play very good football, even though I believe they're just coming out or they're still in a break. Is that right, Manu? They're they're at that part of that season where maybe they're not firing on on top form, but they do have the players to be able to cause Leipzig some damage. I mean, we have to remember that they did go um to Napoli and win three one. So they can do it, although that was a bit of a depleted Napoli side due to the fact that they're pushing for the scudetto, their first scudetto for um, for a long time since the early nineties. So you maybe can see why that result went Leipzig's way, but then you follow it up with what they did at home, and you know it was really that away goal that got them through that. I know Leipzig, you know, could have could have leaked another goal but you never know what happens after that. You know, European ties, once you let one in, next thing, you, you know, you've been hit for four and we've seen that throughout the European match day this season, um, especially with a couple of the sides who put four or five goals past others. So it can be you know quite a strange game and I, I think it'll be an eye-opener for um, this very young Leipzig side to go out to Zenit St. Petersburg and if they can get any sort of positive result and, and by that I would say a 2-1 defeat. Is probably a positive result because they get that away goal. Then as long as they're on top of their game, then I can't see why they can't beat them. But just going on, you know, the last couple of not just match days, but maybe the last couple of weeks, they've up up um, a good, good result against Augsburg. And then they beat um, Gladbach, but they've stuttered against sides like Hamburg and Freiburg and other sides like Hertha, who, you, know, you don't really know what you're going to get with Hertha, so you should be beating them, although a lot of teams are struggling at the minute. Um, they should be beating these teams, really, with the infrastructure they've got, with the investment they've had, with the development they've got, with the coaches and the general manager they've got. They should be able to um, play a side like Napoli with a 3-1 victory in their pocket and, and be able to match them toe-to-toe, but they haven't been able to do that, so I could see that if this current RB Leipzig side, and I'm on about the one that's played at Frankfurt, Napoli, and against Cologne, I I can see them getting beat by Dortmund in the next game, and that'll put them to four straight losses. And you know, then they've got to play um, Zenit St. Petersburg at home, and if if they leak an away goal or two there, then I don't think there's any coming back for them. So you could be right, Bryce. It could be the end of road for them. But if they they pull their socks up and get back to Leipzig side that we've all seen them be in the past, then, you know, who knows?
1: We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually seen them drop in the league down to sixth after it feels like we just reported that they moved to second. But uh, it's ever-changing in that part of the league. Uh, Manu, just quickly, before we move away from RB Leipzig and speak a little bit uh, about Cologne, uh, how do you see them getting on against uh, Zaner? Do you, do you see that being at the end of the road, as Chris and I have just uh, said, is a rather large possibility?
2: It's a need to a good side. Very good side. I went on twice on radio and, and were in Scotland to, um, talk about Sanit and the strengths that they have. And Glasgow were very lucky in that first leg that that was the first game of the year for Cynid because of the three month long winter break. Now, of course, they, they very, very much found their legs at home and easily beat Celtics 3-0 at home. And, um, That's because they, you know, once they find legs and the many, many good players that they have, you know, this is a side that can go and buy world stars. Um, they are very wealthy, owned by Gazprom financially on very good feet, coached by Roberto Mancini. Um, so this is a team that has a lot of stars, a lot of very good players. We just featured Leandro Paredes, um, in the scout report on footballgrad.com. You know, this is the sort of player that could do well in any league uh, and for any top side. He plays for Sunit. And he's one of many. So this is a very good team. And I think it's a very well-organized team. And the problem is, too, the Russian Premier League starts this weekend, actually, Bryce. So, you know, they now have three, they will have three games in LX. That's enough for a top side to have found their gears. So that the advantage of the long winter break is gone. And I would say this is a 50-50 game. It really is, and I think Zenit have a slight edge because they're just more experienced, and Roberto Mancini is a good coach, and they they have been a little bit back and forward in the Russian league as well. Uh, they're seven points behind Lokomotiv Moscow, and there's only ten games left in Russia because of the very short second half of the season that they have there. So it's very unlikely that they're going to win that title. And uh, Gazprom wants titles, and Gazprom likes international titles, and um. My sense is that they're going full out for the Europa League. And that is something quite dangerous, right, for, for Leipzig. So I would go even so far say that this could be the end of the line for RB.
1: Oh dear, it's not so good for RB in As I said, uh, let's move on to their last uh, league game. A game that Chris uh, followed rather closely um, against Cologne. Cologne, who seemed to be dead and buried. Um, Well... This calendar year, they they come awake a little bit and gather points um, after beating them again, and that's seventeen in total. Chris, um, how was this game apart from uh talking about how RB had a rather thin squad and uh, were a bit deflated during the game? How were Cologne, and um, Do we see any light at the end of the tunnel for them?
0: Oh, that's a really good question, Bryce, because I I would have said no going on the first half um performance but going on the second half performance i, I put in the in the report for um, for com that maybe they should play out the next few fixtures as if it's the second half every time they start because they seem to start slowly and, and then get punished and that happened again in this match i thought as as poor as um clone were in the first half leipzig were very very good and um, Bruma was exceptional He was a real pain in the side for the billy goats but um, i don't know what was said at half time but they came out a completely different side and and then embarrassed um embarrassed leipzig and once again you know leipzig took the lead and and couldn't hang on to it um you know we, we've mentioned that they've lost their last three matches in all competitions but it, it's worrying but as for cologne I mean can they do it I just think this might be a little too late for them, um, but they've pulled themselves level on points with Hamburg, whether they can claw all the way back to the um, relegation spot. And know we spoke about this last season, didn't we? And you did in great depth that if you get a side like Cologne who do manage to pull themselves all the way up into that relegation slot and you go into that relegation playoff, if you can play a team that have slipped out of the... Um, automatic places into third then all of a sudden the the balance of mental powers with the side like Cologne that have been doing so poorly all season because they're on a high where they're going to play a team that are a little bit low down perhaps because they missed out on automatic promotion and that can sometimes work in your favor but yeah I mean the, the second half they were you know they were very very good uh, Marcel Reese was I thought he was excellent down that right-hand side he, he was a little bit shy in the first half in fact he was bullied by um luckman and the everton low um but then all of a sudden he was one of the ones that just kicked in his deliveries were excellent um you know he got his um he got his assist a bit in court which you know sorted the game out in the end and it was a very very good display it's just whether they can do that week in week out because I think they were lucky they faced Leipzig on this particular match day, who had been horrendous for the last couple of games. And, you know, they probably talked at half time about what um happened at Frankfurt with Leipzig and how, you know, maybe they just needed to get one back to give them a little worry and, and that's pretty much what they did. And I just I just can't see it though, Bryce. I think this is, you know, too little, too late. where well, we are, we're in, you know, the very, very back end of February, start of March. And once you're in March, that goes exceptionally quick. March does. And then we're into April, May time. I, I just think had this have been January and not the very back end of February, we might be able to look at something different. But I think it all depends on their next game. But for me, it's too late for them.
1: So, Chris, if I quickly ask, what result are they going to want from Hamburg versus Mainz in the next match matchday? A draw on that one, a win for Cologne. You know, yeah, it might, might give them a little bit more belief.
0: Yeah, I mean, because what you're looking at there is giving up ground to sides around you. So they won't want, obviously, they won't want um, Hamburg to win, but then they still won't want Mainz to win because they'll have an idea. They want to pull themselves out into that position. So ideally for them, it's a draw and then win their next game. And then they've made up two points on two of their closest rivals for that relegation slot. So um, that that's what they'll be wanting. And they were big, big winners this match day. By grabbing those three points, especially with um, Hamburg losing, uh, it was you know a very, very, very good result for them. But they're going to need that type of result for the next what nine match days. I can't see it happening.
1: Yeah, it does seem like a rather slim hope, doesn't it, Manor? You may have to buy your dad that beer, eh? Mm. But um, let, let's let's talk about uh, Hamburg as well. It seems like that clock is, well, not just uh, hampering them maybe this season, but it would seem like it may be coming to a rather big halt at the end of the season at Hamburg. Well, they look dreadful. They've looked dreadful for a while. I've spoke to uh, some of the football fans while I was in Munich, and and they all seem to say that, that they feel that Hamburg need to go down and rebuild uh, and it's about time and yeah the, they they were pretty poor
2: against Werner bremen as as well weren't they Manu? oh man, um there's a saying in German note against elend it's um emergency against can't do I guess it's the best translation it was um very dreadful dreadful game um and I guess Bremen got the result that bremen needed and Bremen look very good now, and uh, you know have a have a good chance of you know getting safety very quickly. But for Hamburg, you almost wonder. And this makes me look very poor because I said, that I think around Christmas time that I don't think Hamburg will go down. Uh, I can't see them getting out of this. This side seems done. Um, they're just absolutely done. They're they're where Köln were in the beginning of the the, the season they just, where are they going to make up seven points and just don't see that happening for them? And that's really too bad. But, I mean, I personally think that a relegation is always a tragedy. There's nothing good comes out of relegation ever. But it does look like that's what's going to happen. And maybe this is the way for them to just reboot, get that clock, remove that clock, um, start from fresh, and um, maybe rebuild all the infrastructure, etc. But, yeah, I just... Right now, I have a really hard time seeing them reach. I mean, a seven-point gap. And the thing is, too, not like unlike Köln, Köln are on the upward trajectory now, right? Hamburg on such a downward spiral. I just, I don't know. Bryce, I think um, I may eat my words from Christmas, and I think Hamburg might go down.
0: Yes, looking Bryce, tough for Bryce, Hamburg. I'll, I'll yeah. just jump back in there from that question you said. That's looking cool. at the fixtures, if um, it might be. Cologne's benefit for um, Hamburg to um, beat um, Mainz in their next game Mm. because that will give Mainz the push over Wolfsburg who have been awful and that could be the key for Cologne getting out is to drag another side right down into the brown sticky stuff and I think if Wolfsburg go into that area they too could then go on a downward spiral because they just about escaped it last season. In fact, the game I was in, I was willing but, um, Braunschweig to score because I just thought they had everything that they needed. So they escaped by the skin of their teeth over those two games, really. And it could be, it could be that Cologne's best way out of trouble is for um, Mainz to win and drag someone else down into them. And then they're fighting against, you know, a man who said, Hamburg look like a team that have gone. And if Wolfsburg could be dragged back into that relegation um, playoff place, then they mentally could go as well. And then if Cologne are on an upward trajectory, that's easy because you're just looking at picking off two people who want to be anywhere else apart from a football pitch.
2: Yeah, and then Wolfsburg. I mean, you you look who's who's likely coming up with Düsseldorf and Nuremberg, right? If we lose Hamburg, um, both those. Both those cities are big cities with in big numbers to stadiums. So we wouldn't lose, lose them. Losing only one of them would be a more ideal. And I don't think anyone would shed a tear at the moment if Wolfsburg go down. I think that team has been, that's the, the mismanagement, uh, number one mismanaged side in European football right now. If you have a salary a scale of, uh, Atletico Madrid and you are looking at the, at uh, relegation, I think then um, you almost deserve to go down, right? So that might not be the worst scenario, uh, in my opinion.
1: Well, that's a per Hamburg would have Mainz and then Bayern Munich. So mm. rather tricky games for them. Um, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit of Wolfsburg as well. Is there in and around there as well. We announced uh, last week that all of a sudden they were without a coach. Um, they've managed to hire, well, Manu is going to be able to tell us a little bit more about this fella as a relegation specialist. But Labadia, Bruno Labadia, uh, we've seen him previously, um, at Hamburg and Stuttgart. Um, Manu, is he somewhat of a relegation specialist? And if so, will he be able to turn things around there?
2: I like Bruno Labbadia, I always have. I actually think he's a very good coach. And for some odd reason, he, he's very good at saving clubs and then get them into a good situation. But then he's very unfortunate that he gets, that he's at clubs that expect more than they can maybe achieve. And this is, this is a good example is Hamburg. He saved them from relegation the following season. He finished in 10th place and then he didn't get the players that he wanted. And uh Hamburg almost got relegated at the end of the season without him. Um he he was let go at uh actually a decent position. He was tenth in the league at the time and then they actually almost got relegated after they fired him. Um similar situation in Stuttgart. Stuttgart he did very well as well. Um saved the club from relegation and then um worked together with Freddy Bobic and um there was always a bit of there wasn't very much chemistry. Not between Bruno Labbadia and Freddy Bobic, but between Freddy Bobic and the upper management. So it just didn't work out very well for them. And Stuttgart actually ended up doing worse without Bruno Labbadia as well. So he's a he's a coach that shows does very well, rescues the clubs, and then is in the unfortunate has been in the unfortunate situation that. The clubs that he's in, because he's usually, it goes to big clubs. Um, that the clubs that where he's in, he's, they won't give him enough time for a rebuild. And, um, I'm curious to see how he will do at Wolfsburg. He's the right man for the job. I do believe that. I think that he, if Wolfsburg have a fighting chance to stay in this league, it's because of him, because he's a very, very good coach. He plays very good football and he might be able to fix the squad so i think that actually signing bruno labadia was the right decision by wolfsburg and um on the other hand i do feel that wolfsburg have been um so poor when it comes to to, to the way they handled money so you almost wonder if it would be they better served if they go down if the league and everyone would be better served but i i just based on the fact that they hired bruno labadia i find it hard to believe that they will actually go down
1: so it's very interesting towards the uh, bottom of the table there, and it's, it's going to get more interesting, I feel, as the weeks go on. But let's speak about a uh, gag impressing uh, podcast favourite, in Guido Bergsteller, as we've seen him have a rather fantastic game for Schalke uh, against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Chris, we mentioned at the start of the podcast, didn't we, that it wasn't the best of match days really was it but um, do you think the Schalke performance and result was uh, possibly the uh, game of the weekend
0: well I think um, Guido Burgstaller was the player of the weekend because I just I've got a lot of time for him and think he's brilliant Um, and once again he's come up with the goods and I took to Twitter to to say this that he was written off by almost everybody um, when he left second Bundesliga oh what are signing in for but you know, not that we're the, the font of all knowledge, but we did say we thought he would fit straight in into the Schalke side. And, you know, I, I think it's the way he plays. He's just so competitive and he's got that, that that guile inside him. He's got that look in his eye of a striker who just wants to score. And I think he links up very well. And, you know, I, I wrote that he's he's critical to this Schalke um revolution under Tedesco and the fact that, you know, they're so high in the league sitting in third and it's all down to the likes of Bergstahler and their drive for this game. Um, not, sorry, not for this game, but for this whole season. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it wasn't the best match day and, you know, this two nil win away at Leverkusen, I, I'd say is a bar cologne's, um, result. This Let's say that Cologne's is the result for the bottom half of the table. I think that Schalke are the big winners this match day when it comes to trying to cement the Champions League automatic. Obviously, I saw the game. I just didn't see it live. So if you watch that game live, well done to you. But um, the Football Grab Network will be live at Schalke this coming match day. So I'm really looking forward to that and being able to see, finally, see um, Bergstahler live and see what Dominic Tedesco can serve up um, obviously, Shalka have accredited us as a network, so I'll be there representing the network, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to my first visit to Shalka. Uh,
1: just, just before we move away from, uh, Schalke, um, Manu, some people are saying that the, uh, well, Max Meyer, um, may be leaving, um, Schalke or he may be staying or and and other people you know labeling him as a Zabi Alonso uh, style um replacement for any any clubs looking for that kind of player out there. Um, do we know what the the latest is with him?
2: Yes, yeah, so the, As it often is when we do a pod, um late news is that apparently he has um turned down Schalke's latest contract offer. So if that means he's not going to stay or if he's going to leave, I don't know, but it, you know, definitely a blow for Schalke. If he decides that's, um, he's not going to stay losing Goretzka and Maya would be steep, but Schalke are the blame for this because, you know, they, they didn't renew his contract when he was wanting to renew his contract. Um, thinking that he was maybe not good enough. And then Tedesco reinvented him. And he has done very well since. And now, he you now he's sort of turned the tables on them. And I, I guess that's just a case of maybe the club having sort of miscalculated a little bit. Um, so I think that they, they will pull every stop to, to sign him, but maybe he, because he was sort of, um, not given a, a new contract when, when he needed it. Uh, he might actually leave. Um, there's a good chance, I think.
1: Oh dear, that would be a a shame for Schalke and a shame for the Bundesliga if he was to uh, leave the league. He's certainly a fantastic talent, isn't he? But um, uh, we will be there uh, with football ground, as Chris said, uh, Schalke taking on Hertha Berlin. Uh, Hertha Berlin, this weekend... And managed to uh, hold out a draw nil and nil with Bayern Munich at the Allianz stopping Bayern from uh, setting a new record of consecutive wins uh, but this game um, wasn't just disappointing from a Bayern point of view because um, of the results but also uh, Kingsley Coleman is now out to the end of the season. Uh, Chris so what type of impact might this uh, you have on Bayern uh, going into the latter part of the season. Obviously, in the league, they're looking rather comfy, but um, they've got some aspirations uh, in Europe.
0: Yeah, it's a really disappointing um, blow for them because I thought under, you know, Henkes, he's one of those players that's been revitalised and there's a number of them. Um, since Ancelotti left, but um, Kingsley Coman especially. I thought he's, every time I've seen him play recently, he's looked exceptional on the ball. He's a player playing full of confidence. Um, he's not afraid to express himself. He's coming up with um, you know valuable, valuable passes, valuable interceptions. He's, he's part of that buying cog that's going around the Bundesliga and, and hoovering up results left, right and centre. So for them now to lose him in... What is such a critical stage, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's this is we're getting to the business end time now. Not only are Bayern pushing for the league, but I think importantly, which is what they will want more than anything, is the Champions League. And you know they've got a coach where they've done it before and they've won all three trophies. And I think in that squad, and Manu, you've been around the city uh, more recently than me, but there's a feeling there that you know the treble isn't. You know, in the in a great scheme of things, it's it's not um some sort of pipe dream. It's something that can be achieved. So to lose one of your um better younger players as you're getting into the business end of the season, it's a it's a drastic blow for any squad and any team, but especially this Bayern Munich side. And I hope, it, I really hope it doesn't derail them in Europe because I you know I'd like to see them. Um, get to the final. Obviously, I'd like to see them get beat by Liverpool in the final, but I would like to see them um, make it to, to Kiev and and really stamp an authority on a competition that I think they've sort of faltered on in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, very much so. I, I think uh, the three of us would be in agreement um, that we'd like to see them go far into the uh, Champions League. Um, uh, Manu, uh, just um, quickly, while we've got a little bit of time left, um, we, we see the you know, robbery as we uh, name them with uh, Ribery and Robin. Um, do you see as they're aging, as Chris said, you know, Komen being a, a big blow to the club as well?
2: Yeah, I do. I, I think it is a big blow, but on the other hand, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, this is a deep side. And Frank Ribery and Arjen Orban have been, Your Paimkis is the sort of coach that he takes, he keeps out a player of the squad sort of to motivate them a little bit, to give them a little bit of the, kick in the butt. And that's exactly what he did against Besiktas because he hasn't been happy with how Ari and Rodman and Frank Ribéry have been performing. You can definitely see that they're on a downward trajectory. And um, I think that he really kind of gave them a little bit of a push by leaving them off by sort of saying, look, you're expendable. Um, if you don't perform, you're going to sit out key games because there's other guys in the squad that are currently better than you. And one of them was Kingsley Coman. He's now hurt. Um, but Thomas Müller has been fantastic in recent weeks, months, really since Heinkes has taken over. Hamas Rodriguez, um, you know, we talked the other, other week of how he's probably the transfer of the season. These are all players that have done very well. So I think that Bayern will be all right. I think that they can go deep. And I, I personally have the sense that they could win the treble. There's a realistic chance that they could. And I think that this is, Aside that currently, when I looked, I watched every single Champions League game in this round, and I did not see a single team that's better than them. And that's without Kingsley Coman. I just didn't see any team. I mean, PSG didn't, didn't really excite me at Real Madrid. Well, the, the English teams, I mean, apart from Liverpool would, were fantastic, but I mean, um, every team beats up on Porto at this stage. So I, I kind of keep my, um, kind of want to see how they do the next round. So I, I don't, didn't see a single team that Bayern will have to fear in the next round. Um, so I think that there is a very good, realistic chance that it can go deep and that they can maybe even win this competition, even without Kingsley, Coman Bryce.
1: Well, there we go. That's it. And um, talking about uh, downward trajectories of, uh, Robin and Ribéry, What a mess by, uh, Ribery that was. As well, he was one on one with the keeper, and he skyed that badly, didn't he? I know because I was in a Munich pub full of Bayern fans, and they were not too happy. You sure you uh, were in
2: a Munich pub full of Bayern fans?
1: Well, there were certainly a lot of red uh, Bayern Munich shirts Ah, in there. Alles zugereiste. Yeah, (laughs) maybe they were. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they were on a day trip, or or maybe they were all foreigners that live in the city. I I don't know. I, I can't confirm. But there was a a lot of Stuttgart fans in there as well. Um, but, um, guys, I think that more or less does it for this week. I can't believe after the weekend I've had and the amount of alcohol I've managed to get through this podcast. But, um, Chris, what have you got going on this week? What would you like to draw people's attention to?
0: Okay, so this week starts um, a bit of a mammoth week for me personally. Um, On Friday, I will fly to Germany and cover um, Gladbach versus Bremen. Um, Saturday will see me um, go to Schalke for Schalke versus Hertha Berlin. And then Sunday will see me travel to Cologne, hopefully, for the first time to watch Cologne against Stuttgart. That's something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Monday um, is a fly back to the UK and go straight to Liverpool. Um, And then I've got press conference duties and then Liverpool versus Porto. On Tuesday, followed by Spurs versus Juventus on Wednesday. So it's a pretty busy week coming up for me and the Football Grad Network. So just keep an eye on um, at Football Grad Live, FootballStat dot com, and uh, also you'd be able to see me at Chris seventy eight Williams, and you'd be able to keep abreast of all that that's going on. Wow, Chris, that sounded like you just looked at fixture lists
1: going on over Europe in the next week and just decided to rhyme them all off. Very impressive stuff. And good
0: luck. For your book, Bryce, if you're going all the way to Germany, it just so happens that I'm staying in a nice little place, Wuppertal, um, and it's 30 minutes drive from Gladbach, 30 minutes drive from Schalke, Mm. and a 30 minute drive from Cologne. So it just made perfect sense.
2: Clever. that, that,
1: That was pretty clever. Uh, planning, might I say, and um, certainly enjoy all the games and enjoy uh, your trip to Cologne as well, one of the, the few um, stadiums I, I've, I've been to, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so, um, oh, yeah. You're
0: well, in there with the uh, Twitter of Cologne as well, aren't you, Bryce?
1: Well, that's it, you know, but we, we don't need to talk about me. Um, I seem to jinx clubs more than I do, yeah. I do them any goods But, um, uh, Manu, what have you got going on in, in this next week? Uh, can you possibly compete with Chris?
2: I cannot. <laughs> no, um, I'll be busy. I think, um, going to have the previews up on fußballstadt.com for some of these games and, um, traveling to Vancouver on Saturday. I've actually joined, um, a new network called Pro Soccer USA. Um, that's, it's a conglomerate of different. U.S.-based um, newspapers that are going to exclusively report on the major, on major League Soccer, and I'm going to join them for the 2017 season for, as their Vancouver correspondent. So I'll be producing plenty of contact, uh, content on the Vancouver Whitecaps on Pro Soccer USA. Um, so that's something new and exciting that I'm really excited about, really, uh, to cover more MLS and to cover it for a big outlet is going to be something very interesting. But yeah, other than that, um, you know, the, the previews, then of course the football grad network is not going to be influenced by this at all. Um, they give me the room to, to work on the football grad network anyhow. So it, this is not going to be something that's going to influence the output of articles, podcasts, etc. It's just something on top of everything.
1: Wow. Well, you guys are extremely busy. Um, it sounds like it, but, um, guys, if you uh, have, um, any, Desire to read about all of these games I've mentioned, um, just head over to at Football Grad live on Twitter. They'll all be posted on there with plenty of other articles, uh, match reports, previews and all sorts. OK, um, we um, have received at the odds a bit of feedback, positive feedback um, after asking that. Um, through the uh, end of the podcast uh, like every week and we greatly appreciate that and anyone else uh, listening out there if you um, feel like giving some uh, kind words as well we would also um, appreciate that greatly Um, apart from that I've been your host uh, Bryce Dunn you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 enjoy any um, games that are coming up Uh, we will certainly be reporting on as many as we can uh, as that more or less does it for today of Feeders End